Good evening and welcome back to the Diz Dads Podcast Plus. I'm your host, Aaron Ripmaster, and with me today to record episode number 13, lucky 13, are my co-hosts, Willie Crocker. Hey guys, welcome back. And Tim Hicks. Hey, howdy, hey. So this week, we're going to be talking about... Rebooting Epcot, which is essentially what's going on over at Walt Disney World, at least when things aren't completely shut down. Uh, but before we get into that Epcot talk for a minute, we should go ahead and mention our podcast sponsors. Um, first, we have Wicked Mouse Travel in Boston. Uh, Wicked Mouse Travel is an authorized Disney vacation planner, and they co-sponsor the podcast with Mouse Master Travel, also an authorized Disney vacation planner. You could find Wicked Mouse Travel at wickedmousetravel.com. Fancy that. And Mouse Master Travel at mousemastertravel.com. And either of us would love to help you plan a great Disney destination vacation on the other side of this mess. Uh, and when you get there, if you've got a young kid with you, our third sponsor is the fantastic folks over at Kingdom Strollers, kingdomstrollers.com. Orlando's premium stroller and crib rental agency. You can pick up your stroller from them right there at the Orlando airport and, uh, you know, have it with you the whole time. No, no worries about supply at the resorts or lugging yours with you. Uh, it's really a nice convenience. So thanks again to Kingdom Strollers. All right, guys. Uh, we talked about this a little bit in one of the last shows, kind of before we wrapped up the the previous version of the show. Um, but I, I think it's about time to revisit just because we've seen a little bit of development, a little bit of movement on this front. And that is that Epcot is sort of the, the last of the four Disney parks to get a major reboot, right? I mean, all of this started with Magic Kingdom and New Fantasyland. And then we got Pandora added at Animal Kingdom and Hollywood Studios has gotten... Toy Story Land and Galaxy's Edge. And now finally, somebody's turning their attention to Epcot and saying, you know, time for this park to get its big reboot. And it's been needed for a long time. Other it's... than the few things along the way, like, um, you know, every so often revamping Spaceship Earth, yeah, Epcot's been really lagging behind as far as the updates are concerned. Even the Soren update was great, but it was just a basically a new film. It didn't change the ride overall. Yeah, it just added one new uh, one new area, I suppose. Right? Correct. Oh, right, because they did they expanded. They built another. They theater. had a third theater. Yeah. But but the reality is that that if you think about it, you know, Epcot hasn't gotten a major new attraction really since I, I was trying to think about this. Hadn't gotten a major new attraction since Test Track. Is that right? Well, I think the it's reboot Mission of Space. Okay, uh, there was the, the, the 
reboot of um, uh, Frozen. Yeah. Maelstrom. Oh, okay. Well, but, yeah, but, but again, but that, it, was, that, that was that was a reboot. Right? That was just Pete and repeat. Yeah, I mean, I'm talking building a whole new a whole new attraction space, and and Mission right. Space is probably true. I think I think Mission Space came along after Test Track, so that would be you know. The, the it's like most, three years later, I think. Yeah, but that would, so. But even that, if, if that was three years later, we're still talking, you know, a long wasn't time. That, that uh, almost or right about twenty years ago? I don't it was two thousand three, I believe. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. So, all right. So clearly, Epcot was due for a reboot, and boy, when Disney decides to do a reboot, they take it seriously. So. The first thing probably that we need to talk about when it comes to Epcot's reboot is the fact that we're going to have to kind of get out of the habits we've developed over the last couple of decades for how we talk about this park. Because we talk about this park now in terms of, of you know, Future World and World Showcase, and then it's Future World East and Future World West, and all that changes with this reboot. Right. So how, how have we got the park going to, how is the park going to be divided once the updates are completed? It's going to be really cool, but it's going to be different because you don't know where to start. You used to run in and do either test track or Soren, And now what now are you going to have a do? lot more to choose from? Right. You're going to run left to guardians of the galaxy. Or are you going to run straight out to Ratatouille? Or are you going to, not know what to do or who well, knows. Okay. Who knows? Now all that, all that's true, but, but I was actually talking at a more fundamental level. Um, just even the way the park is labeled is changing, right? I mean, we're not going to be talking about future world East, future world West anymore. We're not going to be talking about, I mean, it, the map is getting labeled differently. Right. It's going to be the, Oh God. It blanked on me as I said it. Um, we got World Discovery. That's yeah. where Test Track through the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy ride is going to be. Uh, world Celebration, which is uh, uh, encompasses the front of the park and the um, uh, the Gateway Bridge, and then World Nature, which is over where um, uh, Figment and uh, Soren and uh, what living with the uh, the the living seas, all that stuff right. is over. Nemo there. and everyone else. Thank you, Nemo. Yes, mm-hmm. Turtle Top Crash. Right. So they're they're basically going with a, a concept that's a little bit reminiscent of what they did in Disney Springs, right? Where they designated neighborhoods, and that's that's what they're referring to these groupings in Epcot as. Instead of talking about them being. Uh, you know, land. So they're talking about them as as neighborhoods. A bit of a callback to the original vision of Epcot as a community, right? And so we've got these different sections: the Discovery, you know, World Discovery, World Celebration, World Showcase, and World Nature. And a lot of new stuff happening all over. So maybe we should start and and just work our way through the park because. You know, sequencing of this is a whole nother issue, right? We can talk about as we go through the things that are already open, things that are coming. But I think that it's worth it to kind of tour through the park, so to speak, so that people can get a real feel for just how much is changing. Um, and we can really start just by walking into the entrance plaza and immediately things look different, right? Exactly. The uh, Leave a Legacy uh, uh, headstones, if you will, are <laughs> gone. They are gone. 
right? The monuments have been moved, the the tombstones, as, as we used to call them. And I, I have to say, before we go any farther, that that is one of my favorite things of this redo. I This is, is long overdue. I mean, how they didn't decide sooner, I don't get it. The thing was literally a radiator. I mean, in, in basic physics terms, yeah. it was a radiator, yeah. you, right? You took a bunch of stone, you put it out in the hot sun with no covering, no shade, no nothing. Black you, stone, no less. Right. Or Dark gray, colored right. stone. Right? Gray stone, yeah. Yeah, gray stone right. that sits there, absorbs solar energy, and then radiates it. And then take a picture next to it with your family and smile. Right. Exactly. <laughs> As so, you're being toasted from behind. <laughs> Anyway, so finally that's gone. I, I know that there's some people who had some sentimental attraction to that. It's still going to the, – the the monuments themselves will still exist. They're just moving them out of the park. Um, and frankly, that's a bonus too because you won't have to act, buy a ticket to go and find your monument anymore. You can find it in the space outside the park. Right. It's like a cemetery. You can go look at it anytime <laughs> you want. <laughs> Right, cemetery. Uh, that's it. We have, well, we said they were tombstones. Right? Here there. lies the original Epcot. Uh, right. The Backstreet Boys have one. You can go find theirs too. Like, <laughs> they really? Yeah. <laughs> Backstreet back. Oh yeah. So, oh man. So, so we've got that part of the entrance plaza already being addressed. That's already done. Um, there are construction walls up around there because obviously they've got more to do once they pulled those things out. But um, you know that that area is under construction currently, um, and will be that whole entrance will be opened up and be a major change. Before you get much farther, we're going to have another major change because we already knew that a closure of world choke or of <laughs> A closure, a closure of Spaceship Earth is imminent. It's coming up this fall, and although Disney hasn't officially said how long it's going to close, uh, most of the rumor is that we're talking about maybe as much as an 18-month or longer refurbishment for Spaceship Earth. Which could really be put on the back burner now. With everything else, it's possible, and it hasn't been that long since um, uh, since it was uh, updated. But you know, it's still it still gets kind of tired after a while. Sure, right, well, but it's it's a real crowd hog. Yeah, but and, here's the thing: I, I think that really what finally pushed it is that they just don't have a choice. I mean, they hit the point probably six months ago where they were already in deferred maintenance mode. And there were animatronics that weren't moving the way they were supposed to. They were, you know, scenes that needed repair work that they just weren't doing because they knew a refurbishment was coming. The problem is that if they don't go through with the big refurbishment, then they're still going to have to invest a chunk of money to get things working again. So as long as they're going to do it, my guess is that they're just going to do it. Well, I don't know. We still haven't. They still haven't fixed Disco Yeti. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, well, but that's different. We know the we, we know the answer to that, right? I mean, right? you can't fix Disco Yeti without opening the hole, op- opening a hole in the side of the mountain. Right. You have to open the mountain. Yeah. But the other thing is with, um, you know, Spaceship Earth, you you really can't do a lot of work in there while people are in the park. Um. 
It'll depend. I mean, the, the, any exterior work they wouldn't be able to do while people were in the park. But once once they finish, because I understand that there's some exterior repairs that are desperately in need of getting done. Um, they've got really complicated ductwork there that routes rainwater um, when there's a storm. And apparently that stuff just needs to all be redone. Um, but, but once that part is done, they can be working inside while people, people are in the park. I mean, it, it, it'll be a navigation nightmare as they route people around it. Cause you won't be able to walk is. underneath, but it, I was there just going to say it kind of already is already so. navigating yeah. people right and left already. So yeah. it's not well, a big deal. When, when I was there in January, it was left. You know, if you were to go right towards the, uh, the camera outfit place and the art place that that's all closed off, you can't go that way. But right. uh, I, I suppose I'm probably one of the few non-cast members that has actually been on the freight elevator. So, you know, to the extent that they're able to get stuff, you know, into the into the park and into that freight elevator and hoist it up, you know, into the attraction itself, you know, they there's a lot that they're going to be able to do, you know, while while they're guests in the park. They just have to make sure that door is close to the freight elevator. <laughs> The other I only is, I only wrote it because I got stuck on it. So there. Oh right. So, but I mean, realistically, they could be working on it right now. We don't know that. Right. Except that Florida is. They said they're not really working. Right. They're not working on it right now at the moment. But they could have been doing some work since they started uh, routing people theoretically. Um. All right. So the the, the big deal though is clearly that that's going to be closed down in the entrance area. There's some other sort of maybe smaller things happening in that front part of the, the park. Um, but that's really the, the bulk of it, right? I mean, what am I forgetting? I don't think you're forgetting anything other than, you know, the rumor mill that there's going to be a hotel that, that goes to the Epcot entrance as well. Uh, yeah. Let's, let's save that for a, a, the end a little bit to talk about speculation pieces. Right. Yeah. I, I think that's going to have to go. I mean, we're already, as it is, I think going to need to talk at the end a little bit about the, the pieces of this that we think might not actually be opening with the 50th anniversary yeah. just because, you know, reality is what it is. Um, right. Today is, today and it's not going to happen well yeah it was it was going to be tough enough to meet the uh the production deadlines as it was without COVID 19 you know basically shutting everything down for however long it's going to be and we still don't know how long it's going to be yeah right. all right so let's work our way around the park and let's head clockwise and uh, just because that'll take us past some of the really most exciting new stuff right away right um because that means we're going to head to our left uh what was used to be referred to as as future world east um that area will become world discovery i believe is that correct yes that's correct world All discovery right. that becomes world discovery so world discovery will begin you'll still have mission space there um but the the first new piece will come right over there next to mission space uh and that could really open Almost any time. I mean, it was supposed to have already opened, and the opening oh, was really? delayed. Or, or it was supposed to open. I, I guess it was supposed to be. They, they should have been taking reservations already. Should be opening this spring. Um, and that is trouble. Right, they're, they're back to April now, aren't they? Well, the, that was the last date they've talked about is April, but there's no way. I no mean, way. <laughs> but this I is, agree with you. Yeah, this is the the Space 2020 restaurant, and yes. um, you know, it, it's an 
it's a kind of an interesting concept. So, uh, Tim, I know you were really excited about the concept. So talk about this restaurant, what it, what it's what it will be when it opens. What's the idea here? Yeah, the idea here is is you're going to go in, you're going to sit down, and instead of seeing outside the window to sky and land or whatever else, you're actually going to be looking out at the Earth from space. And that just, I think, is going to be so friggin' cool. Right. So, uh, so, so to correct myself, it's space 220, not 2020. 220, right. Space 220, because it's supposed to be – as Tim was saying, you, you, the feel is that you're supposed to feel like you're on a space station 220 miles above the Earth. Right. And looking back at the Earth and you know seeing everything and it changes from daytime to nighttime, it's, it's supposed to be really cool. I can't wait to check it out. Now, the the delays with this opening really didn't have anything to do with construction or or at least – initially didn't have anything to do with with pandemic disease either um this one was a personnel issue right willie 100 percent. the chef left went to las vegas and you know sometimes things happen and it's just not for the good i wonder how he's liking that decision now you know <laughs> well i mean the, the, everybody's dealing with the same issue but but yeah. it I think ultimately it's a good sign because what that tells me is that Disney is really now competing for top talent because that's what this is about, right? They wanted a chef who could really make this a signature restaurant and they went after somebody who they basically got outbid for, you know, uh, he, he got offered a a better opportunity at a great property in Las Vegas where he was going to have a more free hand in developing the menu and things like that. Cause he wasn't going to be bound to a theme. Um, you know, so he went there, but, but the fact that they went after that kind of talent is what I think is an encouraging sign. Yeah, exactly. Why should Disney Springs have all the, the great talent you've got, you got, um, uh, Oh my God. Now I started talking about them. I'm drawing blanks on names. You got um, but sorry, it's uh, a, there. There um, are five or six James Mar- Beard Award winning Mar- restaurants Mar- now in Springs. Art yeah. Smith, Art yes. Smith is there. Uh, 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 the Frontera. Um, yes. What's his name uh, again? Bayless. Bayless. Rick Bayless. Thank you. Rick Bayless. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, Bayless and Art Smith is there, and more. Uh, you know, Chef Morimoto is there, and uh, who are Guy Fieri. Uh, yes. Fieri, although he's not an award, he doesn't win awards. He's an award-winning TV. Yeah, host. he's an award-winning Wolfgang something. Park. Yeah, Wolfgang Park. Although, yeah. Say what's this? I, I've met the guy, and I'm just drawing a blank <laughs> on his name. He's he's the guy that heads up the the world uh, world kitchen. Oh right! Can't believe we're leaving him, uh, Jose Andres. Andres, that's it. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, with Haleo, yes. which has, you know, become the restaurant in Disney Springs at this point. Exactly. So why should Disney Springs get all the love? Right. Show a little bit over here in Epcot. Right. Nice to see. Um, and nice to see, I think, a, a real quality restaurant like that going in on the on what we've always referred to as the future world side of the park. But really, Epcot has some amazing restaurants. Absolutely. I mean, you no and doubt. I went to italy and that yep. was hands down like they like, don't like cut epcot short they have some amazing food oh no no no! And, and really from my perspective the best part about it is the location because exactly it, it, you know if you look at epcot as a whole that 
that Future World East quadrant of the park was pretty much a food desert. I mean, the only thing you had there was electric umbrella. Yeah. I and thought the, the car wash, yeah. Coke car wash experience well, right, was and the little good. drink stands and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was yeah. it. The, the, the little, yeah, the little kiosks. But yeah, but you're right. There's, there was nothing at all to keep people over on that side of the park other than test track emission space. Yeah. So I'm so, glad to see them have a destination dining location on that side of the park. It'll help balance the crowds out. Agreed. Um, all right. So Mission Space will still be there. You'll have the new uh, restaurant and then Test Track. You know, as far as we know, it's not up for any special updates or anything like that there. Um, now, correct me if I'm wrong, because this is where I get a little confused by these overview maps. So, so Willie or Tim, you can help me out. This area next to where Test Track is – is that where this this play space is supposed to go in? Kind of where Odyssey was. And so you you you're thinking Odyssey? Um, that's got to be the only. No, place no, no. Could... It's where Wonders of Life was. Is that what? Is that the same thing as Odyssey? Isn't that where um, Body Wars was and everything else? Yeah, Wonders of yes. Life. So it would be on the other side. That's it. Right. Yes, Body yes. Wars. Yes, okay. yes, yes. Where they have the headquarters for the different. Um, uh, showcase events. Okay. Like, so, so is that on the opposite side? Yes. Okay. That, that's, that's, that's the part that I was getting confused about. All right. That's close to one's energy adventure. Yes. Okay. Um, so we keep going around on the, the left side, really that side of, of world showcase has, has gotten its upgrades for the most part. Right. I mean, you know, the, the, our hope for a cocoa attraction in Mexico, I think is clearly gone. That's not happening. Yeah. Um, but the, the theming in the Mexico pavilion is probably, you know, okay, they're going to leave it at that, which, you know, I think it's good. I enjoyed that, uh, that exhibit much more than anything that was there before. Sure. And I mean, clearly this is a budget issue. Oh yeah. Coco would have been cool, but I mean, it's not a need. We're still like still enjoying the three caballeros. Like it doesn't matter. We'll still go. Right. Yep. And we'll still go to, if nothing else, to cool off. <laughs> right. Um, right. So, all right. So, so Mexico's Mexico. You know, they've they've kind of done their their updates uh, when they did the, especially the most recent is that the the three caballeros. Well, besides the Coco exhibit, is that the three caballeros animatronic went in there um, on Grand Fiesta tour, which was a nice little upgrade. I thought, just a you know, not a big deal, but but you know, gave it something real other than just the screens. Um, and then from there, uh, you know, Norway obviously has had some of the biggest updates in recent history in world showcase. Cause we've got, oh, the- hang on, hang on. You, you've forgotten one and big important thing in, um, in, uh, in world discovery. And that is Ellen's energy adventure being revamped to them. Oh my goodness. I yeah. did. Did I just walk right past it? You know, that's you been closed right now past. for so long you already. Ran past it. You well, like, you know, it's been closed for so sprinted. long. It's been closed for so long, I completely forever. forgot almost. Wow. Aaron, are you doing Run Disney's without us? <laughs> you know that's not true. <laughs> right. <laughs> I signed up for the Star Wars next month, and they canceled it on me. Yeah, yeah. So Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind. Yeah. Yes. This is going to be really amazing. So so Tim, since I walked ran right past it, 
Put it where it belongs. <laughs> All right. So this is where Ellen's Energy Adventure was. And, you know, that was, what, a 45-minute experience just to go ride that ride. So talk about a people hog. But um, this is going to be one of the cooler adventures because the 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 coaster cars will rotate 360 degrees to face whatever, you know, to look at whatever action is happening in front of you as you go through it. Uh, you start right. off and, with and what they're calling let's the make sure galaxy. People understand. Rotating okay. cars in this case is not this, – this is not a more advanced version of Primeval Hurl. Okay. This this is I like Primeval Hurl. This is (laughs) rotating those seats so that your attention is directed at the scene they want you to be looking at while the coaster can still continue going. So, you know, if if we look at these things as kind of evolutionary steps, right? We had the first thing that was kind of this feel with uh, Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, right, where you had a, a roller coaster that had some dark ride elements to it, and this is sort of the next evolution of that. Now it's well, gee, that was successful. What if we did that on Rock and Roller Coaster? <laughs> you know, what if we had a more intense coaster attraction and we put in some of those great dark ride scenes in a more intense coaster? And I see it a little bit like uh, the Pirates of the Caribbean and what is it, Disney Sea, where, where they where they do that. They basically, you know, send the boats into like a, a, a 180 degree screen and and turn the boat to face the the action that's going on there. Same sort of idea. Mm, some uh, of that that's true too. Yeah, it doesn't leave the track as it were. Right, right. But it's not not quite like uh, Rise of the Resistance either. No. I mean, this is going to be a totally unique attraction, and that's what's so exciting about it. Um, it's a it's a mostly indoor roller coaster, um, but, you know, lots of theme, lots of story. They're, you know, getting the Guardians of the Galaxy cast together to shoot the, um, the sort of video elements that will be a part of the attraction. Um, I, I'm really looking forward to this. I, oh, I think it's going to be fantastic. Yeah, it and, and it's been under construction off. for a long time. And the last two or three times I've visited Epcot, you know, you can see that building being built and just going, oh, I can't wait. That's going to be so much fun. <laughs> yeah, it's it's enormous. Like you look over oh, and you're like, massive. what is yeah. that? Yeah. Um, now, I will say I, it turns out because, Tim, you made me look. So I was right. Pixar Play Place is going in in World Discovery over there, over on that same side. Yep, yep. The, so, the Play Pavilion? Yes. Right, with, the Pixar uh, Play Pavilion. Like, uh, was it a, so, be like a water balloon fight with Huey, Dewey, and Louie and stuff like that, if I recall correctly? Well, so they, they kind of glossed what's going into the Pixar Play Place, frankly. But it, I get the feel, feeling that it, it's, it's supposed to be almost like a – a blend of a playground experience and what was happening in interventions is kind of the feel that I got for it. Right. Where it gave kids a chance to to explore a little more, but it used interactive video in ways that we haven't seen it used before. It'll probably use some VR stuff. And I think that we didn't get a lot of detail because frankly, they don't entirely know everything that's going to go on in there. Right. I'm thinking of the, um, the area of, Right after you get off of uh, uh, the Figment ride, where there's you know basically exploration type activities there. Yeah, kind um, of, kind of. I think that the yeah, I mean you've got the right idea. idea, right, right. But I just a little more, 
well, quite a bit more advanced than what they've had there. Exactly. Um, and, and, you know, the only thing that makes me nervous about that Pixar play place is that on the one hand, I'm excited about it because I'm excited about the potential for it. And especially because I think even as they're, you know, rolling out new attractions in Epcot, they do seem to be skewing a little older and Epcot as a park tends to skew a little older anyway. So this was going to be something that, you know, would be especially appealing to those younger kids. Um, and I'm a little concerned that this is exactly the kind of attraction that also could see it's, you know, sort of getting paired back for budget reasons as we go on. Like it's, it's a place where you can fudge the margins because we just don't know enough about it yet. I totally agree. You can like sneak a little thing here and a little thing there and just let it roll and not make it a big deal. Right. They can put in the, the basic essentials of what they wanted to do and then come in and update it as they go along. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, we'll, we'll see a little bit, but I, I like I said, I, I think it's important, right? Because in the context of this overall renovation, they really did need to do some more stuff for younger kids. And and so I'm glad it's coming, but I'm a little nervous about what it's going to be when it opens. We'll see. Um, all right. So, so back out into World Showcase, you know, we talked about Mexico. We talk about Norway. You know, they already got their redo, redo of the, uh, you know, the boat ride there and the new on an Elsa meet and greet areas and the, the, you know, Akersus princess dining is still there and still thriving. And they've, you know, updated it a couple of times a little bit. Still very there. popular, but yeah, yeah, exactly. still extremely popular. Um, I see rumors every now and then that we'll get an update to American adventure, but that's probably longer term, maybe five years down the road. But they do have a new restaurant. Okay, there we go. Good point. And Which is re- doing good. And it just recently opened. I mean, it's only been yes, open yeah. maybe a month. Um, but, uh, you know, Willie, talk a little bit about the new restaurant. It's a nice barbecue restaurant that is, what I've heard, um, really, really well done. It's still just another barbecue place at Disney that reminds everyone of, you know, um I don't want to call it good, but not great. I mean, Aaron, you live where barbecue right. is it's, really it's, good. Yeah. I mean, look, Kansas it's City is amazing barbecue. So, right. It, it's, it, look, it's, it's, it's pretty much fast casual barbecue. Correct. What it comes down to. But right. I, I'll give them credit for a couple of things. Number one, um, they they listen to us. We've been talking for years about how they should put a barbecue place in American Adventure, and they even took us up to some extent on the suggestion that it be like a you know barbecue showdown, right? So they did that a little bit. There's elements from a number of different sort of you know barbecue regions around the United States on the menu, um, and and I'm glad that they did that. that. Idea. Um, yeah, as long as I can go in and get some decent burn-ins, I'm good. Well, I, I mean, I'm not sure about that. I don't think they're there. As a matter of fact, I don't I was think a little, they have burn-ins. I was it's a little really disappointed. How could they be at a barbecue place and not have burn-ins? It's not. It's not like a true barbecue joint. That's the problem, um, and that's why I said it's an okay place. Yeah, like it's it's not. A smokehouse, you know, where you're looking to go in and get like the burn ends, the fried collard greens and the this and the that, you know, it's 
Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's the you know, Regal I'm, Eagle I'm Smokehouse. Here, maybe um, there's something that can you know actually compete with um, uh, 220 and uh, uh, Chef de France. And you know, oh no, 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 it, no that's not, not what it's competing with. Not going to compete. Compete. That's too bad. No, no, that's it, not what it's designed to do. do. I don't even think it's going to compete with Flame Tree Barbecue. That's uh, bad. I, I mean, yeah. I don't know. I, I nobody's choosing the park that they go to based on the barbecue joint, but no, not at all. Um, you know, it's, it's Texas beef brisket. It's, uh, South Carolina smoked sausage, um, burger. Um, let's see. Basically just a little bit of an upgrade from what it was. Yeah. I mean, Kansas city smoked chicken, um, Memphis dry rub pork ribs, North Carolina's, uh, chopped smoked pork butt. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a decent range of different barbecue, but it's the trade-off, right? I mean, if you're going to do a little something from here, a little something from there, then you don't get to do, you know, you've got to make some choices. You can't serve burn-ins from Kansas City if you're doing smoked chicken from Kansas City because, you know, you got to do the stuff. You got to include everybody. So, yeah, it's still better than chicken nuggets and hamburgers and turkey legs. From America. That's true enough. Yes. <laughs> Here, this is America. Eat a hot dog and shut right, up. Exactly. Right. <laughs> and then they give you a Jim Beam and uh, some kind of crappy drink with it. <laughs> like, Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's definitely an upgrade from what it was. It maybe isn't quite what it could be as a barbecue restaurant for Epcot, you know, representing American barbecue. But, um, you know, that said, it's definitely an upgrade. It's a good, you know, use of that that uh, quick service dining credit because it is a quick service restaurant. You're getting a lot of food for your money on a, on a dining plan. Um, and, you know, uh, would I have loved to have seen, you know, a Kansas City burn-in sandwich on there? Sure, that would be great. Yeah, but, but you know, not going to happen. It'll still pull people in, regardless. It'll it, still pull some people in. It, yeah, I was gonna say the important part is that it gives people another good quick service dining option on that side, which is really kind of the important part. And um, it gives them the option of yes. something different, not chicken nuggets. Yeah, when you because think about it, what is there on you know in World Showcase? Well, there's the Chinese walk-up place. Nope. Like, I mean, like, that's not something everyone wants. Right. And then you leave there and you go to what? Italy or Germany? Germany. 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 Has the, the, the schnitzel and right. that's yeah, sausages. Not, right. Yeah. That's not the, for everyone. The best, the best quick service on that side is is Morocco. you got to go all the way past Germany to get to Morocco. Yep. Um, go all the way to Tangier. Yeah. Or Tangerine. Tangerine Cafe is pretty much your best option on that side, in my opinion. Um, but, you know. Agree. A good barbecue place might give it a run for its money. Yeah. We'll um, see. Really not a whole lot new coming to the rest of that side as we go around. Um, trying to think through, but, you know, Japan, I mean, Japan did get its upgrade. It's got a super premium uh, uh, table service restaurant there now, um, you know, place that, that, I was surprised, frankly, but they seem to have pulled off, 
you know, a, a table service dining restaurant that that is getting reviews that rival uh, Victorian Albert. That's saying a lot. I can't wait to try it. I've not I've not been to how, it. Yet. How but they're already it, open, right? Yeah, they're already open. That's how is so. it that popular and that impressive? Like Victorian Albert is. Well, you have to remember that in a super premium restaurant, you know, popular is a relative term. They probably right, don't seat more than two dozen people, people a night, right, yeah. you know, and it's sold out. Um, but that's because it's, you know, $300 a person and it's, uh, you know, the, the, it, it's a kind of a restaurant where you go because you're a foodie, cause you really want to experience it. And, you know, you take advantage of, um, I'm going to pronounce this wrong. So I'm apologizing in advance, but you know, you take advantage of the omakase menu where you basically say, okay, chef, I'm in your hands. Just bring it to me. So it's very similar to Victorian Alberts, where it's like, what do you want? It just well, just it goes both directions. I right? don't because obviously Picky Willie, right? Well, is not going to. <laughs> no, I mean Takumite is probably not a good choice for Picky Willie. Not at all. <laughs> uh, but you could probably eat there. There, there. My guess is, and I haven't done it myself to experience it, but my guess is, frankly, they're probably not quite as accommodating as Victorian Albert is, only right. because they're working within the structure of you know. Japanese cuisine, which is going to introduce, you know, since that's not one of the things that's high on your list, you know, that by itself is going to give you some trouble. But Um, Foodie Tim will be like, oh, bring it. Yeah, I don't care what it is. Bring it. I'm going to try it. Give me something I haven't had before. Right. Which is cool. Yeah. I mean, if you're willing to do it, have fun. Yeah. And I I mean, it is, it's an investment of time, much like Victorian Albert. You're going to spend, you know, two and a half hours on a multi-course meal and it's, it's entertainment. You know, the meal itself is entertainment. So that's that's where you're getting your value from it. And um, if you want to watch the new uh, fireworks show, the one that's there now or the one that's coming, you better schedule that early. <laughs> that's true. Although, you know, it's all carefully paced dining. My guess is that they would be happy to allow you to take a pause, go see the show, and come back and finish your meal. <laughs> Place like that, it wouldn't surprise me. Um. All right. Uh, France has gotten a couple of upgrades recently. Um, little things. That, oh, and we skipped we skipped China. So China is supposed to be getting a new movie. That one's been delayed a bit. Um, anybody want to speculate as to whether we're actually going to get the new Chinese movie? No. <laughs> Not for a bit. Not for a while. What I want to see is a new Chinese restaurant. Me Night too. Night Dragons is like, oh my God. Terrible. We please... Get somebody that knows how to make real, authentic Chinese food. I mean, yeah, enough said. We all agree on that, don't we? Yeah, 100%. That place is garbage. And even the quick service isn't very good. I mean, no, it's like it's really bad. I, mean, I don't yeah, understand that. I don't understand it. I don't understand how you can't pull that off in that context. It just doesn't make any sense at all to me. But, um, you know, so China's supposed to get a new film that's delayed. It's a combination of being a victim of trade wars and of coronavirus. And it's just kind of become the victim of everything. And they were supposed to be getting this new circle vision film um, to kind of showcase the modern China. And that doesn't look like it's happening anytime soon. So we'll just kind of have to stick a pin in that one. And maybe that'll be a post 50th anniversary update. Right. Well, we can hope. You know, 
It's things are already starting to settle down over there. So, you know, who knows? It's going right. to take industry a little bit of time to ramp back up, but it'll happen. Um, now, meanwhile, France did get its new film um, and it's gotten a new um, Beauty and the Beast sing along that has had decidedly mixed reviews so far. Uh, Willie, have you heard back from anybody who's seen it yet? Um, let's put it this way. The last person said there's better things to do in France than that. All right. I hate to say it that way, but yeah, that's how it was. I would have thought it would have been not dissimilar to the Frozen sing-along. Well, that's what a lot of people thought, but... And that's what they were hoping for also. And the characters and the cast members are just not up to par. Let's put it that way. It, it did. It was a tough mix. It just didn't work. I mean, so apparently the key to this is that they've tried to twist it a little bit and have the story be getting told from LeFou's perspective. Right. Right. To to make it a little fresher. And it, it just, it doesn't really quite flow. Um, a lot of people don't understand what's going on because they're confused since it doesn't, the story doesn't match up with what they saw in the movie because it's, you know, there are differences based on his perspective and it, they just yeah, didn't get it. It just didn't the work. The perspective from LeFou is that he was actually working to get uh, Belle and the Beast together, right? Is that how I understand it? Yeah, that's it? supposedly the, yeah, that, and that he was somehow kind of pulling the strings behind the scenes all along and yeah. it just doesn't really play. It doesn't just, work. I, yeah, that's what I would think is it wouldn't work. I mean, not a bad idea, but a bad execution. I, I yeah. don't know that that would work. It was a really good idea, but it's just, you used an amazing film and an amazing play, but not a great theater or great um, performance. Right. Is that how you say it? Yeah. Well, and, you can't, and, and they you can't mess with the tale as old as time. Am I right? <laughs> well, and, and, and they wasted some of the best elements of that theater. You know, I mean, they have this amazing circle vision theater, but for the Beauty and the Beast piece, they only use the center part of it. They don't make use of the cir- of the surround parts at all which just seems to be a total waste. I mean, you know, you could immerse people in that that either, right? Either the live action so not, or cartoon. That is so not Disney to take advantage of that opportunity. It's that, that that's mind-boggling in my opinion. I think it was a lot of rushed and trying to get something out just to build off Beauty and the Beast. And, you know, they do that sometimes. Well, it's two things. A, to build off Beauty and the Beast, and and B, the bigger thing is that France has an incredible attraction right around the corner. Um, You know, the the, um, Ratatouille attraction is going to be opening, supposed to be opening at least, this summer. Summer. And and by all accounts – um, you know, this is, this is really probably the, the single most, uh, significant addition to world showcase in terms of driving crowds that direction, other than perhaps the, the frozen upgrade. And frankly, the frozen one was more about sort of, you know, striking while the iron was hot, catching the moment, you know, this one is, is an attraction that's been running in France now for about six years and still getting rave reviews there. And they're 
basically, you know, with some tweaks, but moving the same attraction with the same ride mechanism and things, um, you know, into Epcot. So, um, a piece of this was wanting to have something else established to help absorb crowds when Ratatouille opens and France is flooded. Aaron, tell us more about that, right? Is it a typical like cat and mouse ride? Like, um, um, uh, what is the, the dinosaur based ride in, in animal kingdom? Uh, yeah. Dinosaur. Okay. No, 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 not dinosaur. It's the, the, the cat and mouse type thing. It's real herky jerky. And oh, oh, no, 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 not, not the, that's primeval hurl. Um, that, yeah, th- thank you. Hello. No, 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 it's not a roller coaster. Not it's not a coaster. It's, it's a, it's essentially a dark ride. Um, but the two kind of big things about it, number one is that it re- really builds on, um, forced perspective issues. So you feel like you're, you know, the size of Remy. And you're going through this attraction, you know, the the size of a rat. And um, it's a dark ride, but it makes use of the uh, trackless technology that they're using in in this ride in France that they kind of debuted with um, Pooh's Honey Hunt in Tokyo. And um, they built on that with uh, Mystic Manor in Hong Kong. Um and so this is its first this is the first use of this technology at least in this way um in a US park although it struck me that um it's relatively similar to some of the tech that they're using in Rise of the Resistance um, yeah the trackless thing right yeah. the, that last section of Rise of the Resistance but it just it, it it's a cool it's a cool technology because you can do things with it that that consistently surprise guests Right, because it's not used very often. It's not used in many places, and so when it does the things that it can do by not having to be on a track, it gets a great reaction. Cool. It's a supposedly an amazing ride, so I'm excited about it. Yeah. Like really excited. Well, I mean, we've talked about traffic sucks before. You know, having having some people that are going to want to go to Ratatouille and some people that are going to want to go to the Guardians of the Galaxy ride, it really splits them off to opposite ends of the park. Yeah, it's really going to change um, the tiering of Epcot, which is great. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens to FastPass Plus in Epcot because correct, it's going to be, you know, who knows, really? I mean, we're just going to have to see what people's reaction to all these attractions is, but... Are they going to go to four? Are they going to go to two? Well, I mean, I don't think they're going to change the pattern of of three FastPasses. I think it's just a matter of... of, No, I meant like four... Oh, oh, how many in the tier? tier and then B tier and then... Hey, as long as it gets people out of La Cava del Tequila, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> They're not leaving there anytime soon. Sorry, Tim, Tim, Tim's just waiting for La Cava to be a tier one fast pass option. Right. Because he'll be all set. <laughs> and don't limit my time like they did with, with Ogus Cantina. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so as we continue our way around the World Showcase area, um, you know, as, as we get around to to the UK, um, at D23, they kind of gave this somewhat surprise announcement that we'd be getting uh, a Cherry Tree Lane area and, you know, some kind of, of Mary Poppins attraction. I got to say, I don't see it happening. Explain. 
I agree, two hundred percent. It's long gone. Why? It's there's no cherry tree lane happening. There's no money right now. We've been close now. What two and a half weeks? Two weeks? Right. But you don't see that eventually happening. Mm-hmm. Not at all. Stuff like that. No. I maybe, would love again, to say yes, maybe five years down the road. But I, I don't think years down the road. Yeah, I, I don't think it's still part of this plan at all anymore. I would love to just make sure Guardians of the Galaxy opens. That's how far I think ahead. Like, yeah. there's so many things getting ready to be backburnered that they just want the park to look great. And well, and, and here's I, I will say this. You know, here's the problem, right? This happens every time that there's a major build out, right? And and we've kind of gone both ways. We've gone back and forth with it. You know, for a while they got really tight lipped and didn't release any information about anything, and then people got pissed off because you know they got surprised and they weren't happy with it and they didn't have time to process what this was going to be and what the changes were going to mean to their park and all this stuff and then they started releasing more information but then you know when they release more information the reality on the ground changes things happen that causes them to redo things and then people get upset about that get pissed off about that too and Mm -hmm. and the thing is that you know, look, we're, we're going to get into this in a future show because we keep talking about doing this one. But this is where I think that, that you know, Michael Eisner is, is the case in point. You know, he had some great ideas that he was all excited about. And the problem was that he kind of just blurted them all out at once. And because he couldn't prioritize, right? They tried to do everything at once, and we got some of our biggest Disney disappointments. You know, we got a half-finished Euro Disney. We got DCA 1.0 that they couldn't pay people to go into. And my fear is that they'll that they'll force it, right? That they'll say, well, we announced Cherry Tree Lane, so we have to deliver it. And what we get is you know, a, a, a plywood facade. Um, yeah. And that would be really disappointing. We got Pop Century 1.0. Right? Oh, Pop Century. I, I mean, if you really think about it, it was... I, with, they didn't with finish the it. buildings but, but, across the lake that you could see, but you couldn't go in. Right, right. I mean, that... That, that was... That was sloppy. But the, but that wasn't... I mean, to me, the 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 fact that they opened attractions, that they opened parks with things that that just they didn't feel done not at least disney done right i mean superstar limo really oh <laughs> sorry um so so that's that's my biggest concern right as i hope that that i would much rather see them cut cherry tree lane and maybe revisit it a few years down the road than force it but not have the money to do it right right you know, I, I was just thinking, my, my tummy reminded me of something that we skipped in France, is the new creperie. Oh, good point. I, I love crepes. So uh, that's, yeah, the foodie in me is going, uh, breakfast, 
and France and lunch and Germany and then margaritas in Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> I've already got my food planned out. I don't care about rides. You're not going to have any time left to get on Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy know. by the time you finish that and you've got dinner in Takume Tay that takes two and a half hours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then we're going to have to, you know, you're going to have to to get yourself a, an ECV so you can ride next to your wife so that we can get you out of the park. Ain't that the truth? You'll have to roll me out. Um. But anyway, yeah. no, I'm I'm just I just got to thinking about that. It's like, oh, crepes. That's right, right. France crepes, the new creperie. Well, so and and actually, to me, it's, 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 I'm glad you mentioned it because it, it did strike me as a little odd. I mean, I, I understand. I think that the point of the creperie is to to have another quick service option around there that will feed people as they gather for the Remy attraction. And, you know, that I think they expect that part to be much busier. A little bummed though, that as you work your way around, there's really not, especially if Cherry Tree Lane goes away, there's really nothing new happening on that end of, of World Showcase. And I've thought for years that Canada at the very least needs, you know, a, a permanent quick serve location. Um, yes. And and that appears to still not be coming. You know, just give us a quick service place where we can go get that beer cheese soup that we could get in La Cellier and you know, you have a lot of happy campers on your on your hands there. I totally agree, and I don't understand. They only do it like food and wine and like just put like a big vat out and we can just like dip <laughs> right. Our- like just dip in whenever we want. I mean, we we're making fun of it, but but how easy would it be to make a very limited menu quick service that is essentially grab and go? You know, you've got your your cups of soup that you could you know have ready to go. You've got maybe a quick sandwich that's pre made, and you know just just give people another quick option on that side of the park, but. Yeah, I could go for a hot mousse and gravy sandwich. (laughs) (laughs) Heck, I would I would buy a moosehead beer if I got an extra vat of cheese just to have. Like, why not? (laughs) I mean, dip the pretzel in and move on. Right, exactly. I mean, no one wants moosehead beer, but that's another story. Hey now, hey now. We'll we'll stick to the Unibrew. (laughs) (laughs) The good stuff. Lavette's blue. Bring it. Bring it. Um, Baby blue. All right. And and before we leave World Showcase, we should mention that we're also going to have another iteration of uh, a nighttime show coming. Um, I think that, that the consensus is that the expectations for Epcot Forever were probably a little overblown. Um, it hasn't been you – know, I, I thought it was oh, a fine show. Yeah. I enjoyed it, but – it's not. It's not igniting nostalgia like they thought it would. I don't think. It to me is like okay, too much of one song. You know, I could be wrong, and and you know, it's just my opinion versus everybody else's. But yeah, they they could have gone farther with that. But you know, it's okay. It's okay. I thought it was okay. I just thought there was a little too much trying too hard. Like the, you know, the jet skis and the this and the that. And it was like, just show it off. Right. Well, and part of the problem, obviously, is that they've got to do things as much as possible that draw your attention up, right? Because they're getting ready to 
you know, drain that lagoon in its entirety and they need you to not be paying attention to that fact. But that said, you know, I think that they kind of swung for the fences in a particular direction and maybe tried to push it too hard. And to Tim's point, you know, perhaps put too many eggs in, in one basket as being, you know, having good potential to, to trigger that nostalgic response. Maybe with just a little bit. Um, but, you know, we have this harmonious show that is coming behind it. Um, that'll make its debut sometime supposedly in the fall. Um, supposed to be. Yeah. I mean, if it does the things that I've heard is they're going to do, that's going to be just massively amazing, massively amazing. If the, uh, I'm, I'm hearing stories of, um, uh, and tell me if I'm wrong. Uh, this is just what I've heard is, um, uh, drones like they did at the Olympics last year, you know, um, Right. Some uh, of the coordinated drone stuff. Drones. Yeah, exactly. Some of the I stuff mean, they did, like they did with the Christmas show over in uh, Disney Springs a couple years back. Right, right, right. That would just be, I mean, just so many cool things that I've heard about this. is like, come on, bring on that show. I want to see that show. Epcot Forever was fine, you know, to as a as a placeholder between Illuminations and Harmonious. But uh, I'm I'm anxious to see the new show. But really, I mean, why are we critiquing a great fireworks and exhibition show. Like it's still better than anything you get at home. I mean, like, what better you than any of my Fourth of July. Exactly, oh, it is. But but I mean, look, I think that the reason we're doing it is because people make decisions about where to spend their evening, and and we want to help them make that decision. And and what I would say, if you're making your decision about where to spend your evening, if you haven't seen Epcot Forever and it's still showing, I think it's worth seeing. See it. Sure. So you can say you've seen it. Right. I don't know that it's worth making an extra special trip to Epcot to see. Right. On the other hand, in my opinion, you know, the, the, uh, the Star Wars, uh, show in, in Hollywood studios, I would make an extra trip back over to the studios to see that show because I you think bet. it's that good. It is good. So, I mean, that to me, that's why you talk about that. That's why you give people that balance. Yeah. Um, and hopefully Harmonious gets to the point where it's a, a destination, you know, when we see that one, hopefully that's a destination show. That's one where you make the dining reservation for it because you don't want to miss it. They're calling it the largest nighttime spectacular ever created for a Disney park. So if it's going to be, I, I'll cancel those nine dragons reservations for that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God for that. Um, all right. So as we circle our way back towards the front of the park, um, you know, we're, we're going to get, go past a, a couple of different things. Um, there's going to be this, this now, um, the new neighborhood is, is world of na- world nature. Is that right? World okay. nature, not world of nature, just world nature. world nature. Yep. Um, and the reality is that there's not a whole lot new that we expect to see in world nature, right? Not really at all. Unless something happens that we're not expecting. I mean, well, there was supposed to be the journey of water with Moana. Right. So that, that's that the biggest thing is that we were supposed to get this this sort of um interactive fountains type right. attraction. Um that that you know, they they kind of applied a Moana theme to a little bit 
after the fact. Um, you know, that, that was definitely, I think, a, a, a Bob Chapek influence issue there, right? Because he's all about synergies of the, the Disney IP with the parks attractions. But, and not that I think that it would be bad. I think it's a good fit. But, um, so we're supposed to get this journey of water experience. Um, I, I guess I would say at this point, in my opinion, we're more likely to get world of, uh, or we're more likely to get uh, journey of water than we are cherry tree lane, but that's not saying a whole lot. <laughs> I think right. we're going to get more of a journey of walk around and see what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to be the negative guy, but just keep well, walking. And, and the one thing I think we will get is the replacement of the, um, the lion King save the planet movie. The that's supposed to be called awesome planet. I think if I'm remembering that, that correctly. actually opened. Oh, it did. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That opened. I, they started running it. I mean, it's not going to. It's never going to be a people eater. But my understanding is that it's been fairly well received. You know, okay. I mean, it's it is what it is. It's a nature movie in a theme park. Sure. Um, you know, world nature though. That's right. Right. That's the whole thing. Um, and they did talk a little bit about maybe doing some some things with uh, living with the land, which would be nice to see because it's it's kind of uh, you know getting along in the tube. Stale. But. Yeah. The, the frankly to me the more important thing is that it does sound like they're going to keep it right it's not going away um at least you know they're not they're the, i haven't heard any suggestion that it will yeah but i mean overall like living with the land is really cool to me oh yeah and to my kids sure but most people are like what are we doing on this boat ride well, like number one you're cooling off in the summer heat <laughs> sometimes yeah i was gonna say unless you're in the greenhouse at exactly the wrong time of day right exactly yeah. if you get there at 2 30 you're done <laughs> <laughs> true enough or if you get stuck on it like i did oh my god that was Ooh, ow. oh god you're looking at that last scene where the oh yeah they, yeah they, exactly <laughs> and then you ain't cooling the off yeah yeah you're not cool enough. just like get me off of this there's only one thing I can think of worse, and that's being stuck on the end of It's a Small World, which I've also done. <laughs> uh, we've all been stuck there. So, yeah. So, so the interesting thing to me is that overall, we're getting multiple new attractions, which means more capacity to entertain guests. And if you couple all of that with the introduction to, of the Skyliner and the construction of Disney's Riviera Resort, you know, a lot of effort appears to have gone into overall balancing this park more than I think they've ever really done before. I think that's very true. There will be things to do in every single portion of the park. Which, you know, there's some places that right now you could just skip right past. And, you know, and unless you're really wanting to get in out of the sun and spend, you know, 45 minutes to an hour on Ellen's energy adventure where she's holding a, a cell phone from the 1980s. Yeah, I mean, they're they're really addressing the need to to do some revamping. And, and the, only, uh, the only thing I, would, I think they're missing that they could have done better is done something about Nine Dragons. <laughs> But, but they've also created a great um, entrance to Frozen, Ratatouille. On the front side, you're going to go to Guardians, Soren, Test Track. So you're going to either choose your own adventure 
on a few rides. Well, so, like, a lot more to divert the, the attention. Exactly. To they're going to divert ride. the crowds so that maybe we can do two rides in a day instead of one. <laughs> Getting mean, it I in between your, your, I don't know, you're you know, pretty appointments for your various uh, drink stops. Right, so, so I'm going to get to the entrance. I'm going to fast pass Ratatouille and then go stand in line at, at Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, that'll work. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I really think that there's a decent chance that, that we'll see – you know, maybe 40% of the crowd coming in through International Gateway. Um, I would say higher. You really think even higher? Oh, God, yeah. With the Skyliner and the well, uh, walk into Ratatouille, yeah. basically. Right. I, I mean, would that, think it's... The Skyliner is the bigger, is the big draw through there. Um, and I guess maybe I'm undercounting the the fact that you're going to have all of those folks from Art of Animation and Pop Century that'll come in that direction now. Um but yeah, not just Yacht Club, Yacht Club, Beach Club, Boardwalk. Now you've right. got and more, Riviera, but you know, Riviera is not that big. Swan and Dolphin. And yeah. the Swan and Dolphin and and Caribbean Beach. So yeah, now you've you know, got all the you're probably the right. you're probably gonna get a, a you know, a, a, maybe even close to a 50-50 split. And that by itself really would do wonders for the overall traffic flow in the park once the construction walls are down. Well, the question is, yeah. always previously, Future World opens at 9, but World Showcase doesn't open until 11. Do you see that changing with this? Yes, it has to. I mean, as it is, they started opening Mexico and Norway with the rest of the park. Correct. Um, so, right. you know, once you've got Ratatouille opening, it, it, I kind of have to. Yeah, I mean, they have to. It's free money, and people don't care when they buy drinks or buy food. Like well, you're telling me you get to Germany and you get a German sandwich for breakfast with a beer, people well, are going to buy and, it. And, and yep. let's remember too, that, that, you know, Disney sort of tends to share ownership of most of those international locations. So I, I could certainly see them leaving it up to the pavilions about whether or not they're going to, you know, ha- offer a breakfast menu and open up. I mean, it wouldn't necessarily surprise me if Germany and Morocco decide to wait and open at 1030 or something. Yeah. But but who doesn't say they won't open up if they can make 500 bucks, it's 500 bucks more than they made paying. Uh, And I tell you, if I can go in and have it, if I can go in and have a crepe with Nutella and bananas on it for breakfast. Oh yeah. Well, but that'll be open for sure because they're going to have Ratatouille. Ratatouille. Right. Right. But are you going to get, are you going to get some um, Japanese food at, 945. Right. This is what I'm saying. As you're walking. This Sushi is what I'm saying. Bre- it wouldn't surprise me if the the World Showcase pavilions that don't have rides don't open until 10. Correct. On the other hand, I could also see, you know, in Japan, the Mitsukoshi folks saying, oh, yeah, we're opening. <laughs> right? Because, yeah. you know, people are going to walk past and all of those Pokemon fan kids are going to walk right past the windows. Um, you know, they're going to want to pull them in. Yep. So, you know, there's opportunities for them as well. Um, and so maybe they will all open, but, but at the very least, I think we'll see any of the pavilions that have an attraction opening with the rest of the park. Otherwise it doesn't really serve its purpose of balancing crowds. Exactly. Which 
then gives you an argument for Cherry, t- tr- cherry Tree Lane, easy for me to say. Well, that was, Although, that was the point of Cherry Tree Lane in the first place. I just yeah. think it's one of those, you know, last in, first out kind of things where it was the last thing announced. And, and oh, by the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's time and money. What are they really going to put at Cherry Tree Lane that well, how, we, uh, we number really 17. want? But what they say, you know, you're going to marry go round and like that's well, not going to do anything. So, so there, there have been there have been three different ideas proposed, basically three kind of levels of what it could be, right? So the very top level is we get a full blown Mary Poppins dark ride, maybe or maybe not based on the famous Tony Baxter pitch that got him his job at Imagineering, right? Which was that you you were riding on the carousel horses and you made one circle around the carousel and then you you know bounced off of the carousel and on through the attraction that would be incredibly cool i think that we've got the technology that they could pull it off now it ain't happening it's not happening it would that's be way it would be very expensive. cool but it would be very expensive yeah, it would be cool but i don't see it happening yeah. either so that was option one option two is that we get something along the lines of a carousel um it would need to be something unique to make it worth doing i could see it being like one of those dual level carousels or something like that if they were going to go that direction um but you know that that was kind of you know the second option that I've heard thrown around. And the third was, frankly, that it would be a well-themed meet-and-greet along the lines of the um, the princess, you know, the summer house in Norway, where on one side, you, you know, highlighting those British author characters, right? So on one side, you'd meet, uh, you know, Pooh characters, and on the other side, you'd meet Mary Poppins characters. Which is cool, but I mean, I think... S- Session two would be the best, but it's still not going to, like, move the meter on people. Like, people aren't going to, like, roll no. all the way. Like, because the, the key was that whatever it was going to be needed to be something that was an all-ages attraction. It needed to be exactly. something everybody could ride. It had, to, it had to move the meter so far that we're not going to move it. And they're not going to do that now because, obviously, times are tough. Well, and you've got to be able to keep and maintain kids' you know attention as well. I mean, Ratatouille is an automatic draw, but you know, kids today may not may or may not know Mary Poppins as well, depending on if they watched the reboot of the movie a couple of years ago. Right. I mean, and and I think that really the target here was even younger kids. Um, I don't know. I, I still hold out some hope that we'll get at least the carousel because at least, if nothing else, at least a carousel is something that that, that the littlest kids can do, and you know. It'll be a nice long line, and mom can take the kids and get in line for the carousel, and dad can go relax at the, you know, uh, Rose and Crown. At Rose and Crown, exactly. And you know, there's there's a a reason to do it, and there's a reason for the folks who are are sort of the caretakers of the budget for the UK Pavilion to want to make the investment. I agree. There, I mean, like, I love Rose and Crown, so. I would love to have the carousel where the kids can go in the back and just do what they want. And I think the dual level carousel would be fun, but I don't see it happening. If you can have the multi-level carousel going and, and have it asynchronous, that could be kind of interesting. 
Oh, that would be very cool if you actually could load the top and the bottom alternately. Independently, yes. Wow, that would be cool. And that would be something totally different because I, you know, I've taken the kids on, on, you know, double decker carousels, but never on a double decker carousel that was actually two carousels, you know, separate carousels stacked on top of one another. I think that'd be kind of pretty interesting. Yeah, that would be cool. All right. Disney, are you listening? Copyright. Tim Hicks. <laughs> That's Tim right. Hicks. Pat, Tim Hicks. Um, right. All right. Uh, so, so, all right. So we've talked really through everything. So let's, let's do a little bit of summarizing here. So um, Tim, of all the things we've talked about, which of those things are you most looking forward to? Uh, 220. I want to see that restaurant. I want to eat there. I want it to be amazing and mind boggling. Uh, that's, that's what I'm most looking forward to. Cause I, I just don't see myself. I, I've not ridden certain rides that have been in Disney for a couple of years now because the lines are too long. I don't want to do that. So, you know, I, but the restaurant, yeah, I will, I will totally do that. All right. So Willie, you're infamous yeah. for spending your time in Epcot, not riding attractions. I'm what are you most looking to, forward to? I'm honestly going to look forward to Guardians of the Galaxy. Like I you say roller coaster that turns 360, I'm all in. I love the idea. And that show building is so cool. Like it is it's enormous. massive. It's massive. Like you can see it from basically anywhere and everywhere. And I really want to get on that ride. Like I'm waiting for that today. Right. And I hope it's not delayed. See, and I'm sitting here really wanting to say Ratatouille. And I can't. I got to agree with Willie. As cool as Ratatouille is going to be and as much as I'm looking forward to it, the Guardians coaster is it. It is It is the signature attraction. Um, and frankly, the my, here's my biggest concern about all of this is that we've got two signature attractions that are being built that I get really concerned about the load rates for because that's been the biggest downfall of these trackless attractions is that – the the throughput on them historically has not been very high. Um, and so I'm really worried about that for the, the France Pavilion. And then, you know, any brand new coaster these days with high levels of technology and stuff, you know, I get nervous. I mean, are, we ta- are we talking about something that's going to be down, you know, however many 80% times? 80% of the time. <laughs> Good point. Yeah. So I, I'm excited. I, I, I trust Disney more than I trust other places, Other places. Yeah. To, Other to places. you know, open an attraction when it's ready. And, and for all the criticism it's taken, they've done, you know, they were doing a pretty good job of getting the, the throughput at, at rise of the resistance ramped up before it, it, you know, before the closures. And, you know, to be fair, that attraction was like four different attractions that they were coordinating into one, as opposed to a roller coaster that is a single experience. Homogenous experience. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and it better be good. And that's the thing about Disney is you know that the queue is going to keep you entertained and interested as you're going through it. That's that's just a you know, that's a given for Disney, not so much for any any other place. Right? Are you going to wait three and a half hours? No, I don't wait three and a half hours for anything. Nope. Me either. Like, nope. so, I'm at an hour minimum, and I'm done. All right. So so we talked about what we're most looking forward to. So let's let's flip this a little bit and ask the question, what of the things we talked about do you think is most likely 
not to be ready by, and we got to leave Guardians of the Galaxy out here because it's we know it's not due until 2021, mm-hmm. right? So, well, uh, we'll go ahead and include it. We'll go through 2021. So, what do you think of the things we talked about? What's not going to be ready by the end of 2021? One thing. Uh, I'm going to go with Journey of Water. If they, in fact, they go forward with it, I don't know that it'll be ready. Okay, so Tim thinks Journey of Water is not going to make it. Spaceship Earth is never going to make it, but it's because they haven't closed it, and I don't think they're really going to close it now. I think it's totally off the shelf as we speak. I know people think it's going to be done, but it's not going to be done. Who wants to say goodbye to Judy Dench? Come on now. <laughs> stupid Judy, stupid energy. Uh, so I, I, I'm inclined to agree uh, with Willie here a little bit, but except for the fact that I, I think it, it. The bottom line is that they don't have a choice; they have to get Spaceship Earth done, and so you know they'll move crews if they have to. It's too much of a people eater and it's too much the signature attraction of the park even that's, with Guardians coming. And that's you what can't I can't celebrate it's, it's the anniversary. The you, you know by October 2021 they need to be able to have Spaceship Earth open because when when they're celebrating the anniversary officially they need to have Spaceship Earth open. It'll be an embarrassment not to. Um so I think the thing that that you know would get pushed, frankly, I wouldn't be surprised if Guardians got pushed. I know that they're going to want it open, but I think that they've learned from Rise of the Resistance that if it's not ready, they better not open it because you know as as much of a challenge as it was for Hollywood Studios to manage when the traction went down. It'll be that much more problematic for Epcot, um, and I think in particular with Guardians, because in Hollywood Studios, if Rise goes down, there's other stuff for Star Wars fans to do. There's other things to entertain Star Wars fans. At Epcot, if Guardians goes down, what are the folks who are only there for Marvel going to do in Epcot? They're going to go crowd La Cava del Tequila is what they're going to do. <laughs> well, what they're going to do is crowd guest services. And yeah. After yeah. Right. Yep. And the other thing is with Guardians, it's on the far left corner of the entrance. Right. It doesn't affect where you walked all the way back to Germany or you walked all the way back to France. You know, it, it's it's, oh, you didn't go in? Okay. You didn't go in. Sorry. Like, I mean, it sounds terrible, but. You know, with Rise, you had to walk all the way through the whole park to go into Rise. Right, that's like, true. There's no, there's no sneaking into Rise unless you go with Aaron and I in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> I'm down for that. Let's do it. <laughs> it was fun. It was. Yeah. Um, all right. Um, so we've talked about our favorite things, things that we think you know, might not make it. So final question, assuming everything we talked about does get done when those things are done, you're talking about four Walt Disney world parks. And I know this is hard because you're, you know, asking people to, to pick their favorite child, but where's Epcot going to rank in the rank, you know, in your ranking of, of Walt Disney world theme parks, once all this stuff opens. 
Oh, who are you going to throw that to first? You. You opened your mouth. Let's hear it, oh, Tim. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, thanks. Well, Epcot's always been my favorite park in the first place, even when there's less to do than there are in other places. But um, I would say, if you're talking about you know overall popularity, it will surpass uh, uh, Animal Kingdom in terms of what they did with. Um, uh, flight of passage and and that whole that whole new area over there. Um, I don't think it will surpass uh, Hollywood Studios and uh, Galaxy's Edge. Um, it's very tough to compare that to the Magic Kingdom because the Magic Kingdom is what it is for the intended audience, and Epcot but, but, is. But what I'm not it asking about it. the intended audience. I'm asking about you on your uh, personal me? list. Stays at the top of my personal list. All right, so Epcot's always been at the top for Tim anyway. Stays at one. How about you, Willie? I'm going to put it at like two and a half to three. I love Epcot, but Magic Kingdom is still number one. It's still my my go-to park. And then there's so much to do it. I hate to say it, Animal Kingdom now for me with flights and Everest and things like that. But if Guardians is as good as it's going to be, and I think it's going to be that good, it might move over Animal Kingdom. I mean, it's it's really, really cool looking, and I'm excited. Well, so to me, my favorite part of all of this is that this discussion, once all this is done at Epcot, is a totally different discussion than we've been having for the past you know, six years or whatever. I mean, there's always been one or more parks that we were having debates about which park was a half-day park. And, you know, especially once all this stuff opened in Epcot, there's no such thing anymore. There are no half-day parks. And and frankly, I would argue that once all this is done in, in Epcot, depending on how the crowd levels go, you know, we really start having multiple multi-day parks because in order to experience everything you want to experience, you got to go back. Um, you're not going to get in everything in one day. And to me, that's incredibly exciting. Um, that said, I think that in my personal ranking of, of parks, um, once this is all done, God, it's a really tough call. The hard part for me is this attraction wise, Hollywood Studios, I think, would still be the, at the top um, with Galaxy's Edge and with Tower and Rock and Roller Coaster and all the great stuff going on in Toy Story Land. It, it still would be at the top for me. But the food there is bad. I mean, with very few exceptions, it's just yep. – it's not even not good. Uh, it's bad. <laughs> so, yeah. on the other hand, Epcot – you know, they might not have quite the depth of attractions that Hollywood Studios has that really grab me, but it's got great food and, you know, more great food now than ever before and more coming. So, the Chinese food. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm getting good Chinese in Hollywood Studios, like though. Yeah, uh, nope. Nope. So, so, you know, so that, that makes that tough. Um, but I think it would probably slot itself in there, you know, uh, it's going to fight it out in, for the two spot there, I think, with with Animal Kingdom. Um, it's it's a tough call. And like I said, you know, 
it's going to be more a matter of what it is I'm looking to do that day because I don't know that that I'll have as clear a favorite as I do now because it's really going to just depend on what I'm looking for that day. I mean, if I'm not looking for more intense ride experiences, then Epcot bounces higher anyway, along with Magic Kingdom for that matter. And that's right. kind of my point. I'm I'm the kind of person that, you know, I prefer, you know, less crowded environs and the ability to, you know, walk around and, and get the fresh air. And Animal Kingdom is too hot. Uh, Hollywood Studios is too crowded. Uh, Magic Kingdom is too many kids. So, you know, that's that's what makes Epcot top my list. So there you go. Right. It's and a matter it's, of personality. It's all going to change now that, you know, I mean, things are going to change over the next 18 months. I mean, I hate to say it, but we all know things are going to be different. And these parks could be a totally different park. My son said today, he's like, why is it every time we go to Epcot, we have to eat standing with our food in our hands or standing on a trash can? And because it's so busy. And you're there during 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 food and wine, right? All the festivals, because that's where we can go because the kids are out of school. But it's like now, but you can go into Oktoberfest any old time. (laughs) Any old time. Yep. There's almost always a table available. Well, you know, y'all have heard our thoughts on the real transformation coming in in Epcot. You know, we'd really love to hear your thoughts. We'd like to know what you think of all of this. Um, you can shoot us an email at podcast at disdads.com. You can also reach out to us individually. Um, you can get Willie at... Willie at wickedmousetravel.com. Or Tim at... Tim.hicks at fantasticmemoriestravel.com. Ooh, Tim's moving to using his professional email. Yep, I'm going to the professional now. All right. No uh, more AOL. I don't play that. Oh, I still have it, but it's mostly junk these days anyway. Boring. I want to actually, you know, you want to actually get me to look at your email. Yeah, let's go to tim.hicks at fantasticmemoriestravel.com. Right. And, uh, you know, we also are on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast and on Twitter at Podcast. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to have you on the show. Tim is the go-to person for coordinating folks uh, you know, coming and doing trip reports or uh, participating in a panel discussion on the show. So if there's anything that you'd like to do, just uh, shout out to Tim. Until next time, I've been your host, Aaron Rittmaster, with Tim Hicks. See you real soon. And Willie Crocker. Have a wicked wild night. I don't play them. I don't play that thing, man.
play the damn thing. I got to keep on. I don't play the damn thing, man. I got to keep on. I don't play the damn I got to keep on. I don't play the damn thing, man.